0: Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, if you ever wanted a uh, passage of scripture that speaks to the uh, serenity and peace and harmony that uh, Jesus brings into this world, I would encourage you to stay away from Mark chapter 2 because Mark chapter two, if the truth be known, is filled with controversy and conflict from one end to the other and all the way on into chapter three, where this group of people known as religious experts, Pharisees, or teachers of the law come into conflict with Jesus who is at the center of this controversy and and throughout chapter 2 and on into chapter 3 they ask a series of questions either to Jesus or to his uh, disciples like why does this man forgive sins when only god can do that and why does your rabbi eat with tax collectors and sinners and and befriend these lying cheating people and by the way why aren't you practicing the sabbath when You're supposed to be doing that, and all of that is to say that as Jesus' ministry grows in popularity, so does the controversy, and so does the opposition to him on the part of these people known as Pharisees, teachers of the law, of which there were several thousand in Israel uh, at the time, and who are... uh, approaching Jesus because either they are religious control freaks who want to hold on to their power and just can't get uh, wrapped around the idea that the promised Messiah had come with grace and truth, or maybe they were, were simply believing that what you need more than anything in your life are uh, rules and regulations and boundaries to shape your uh, relationship with God. And then, and then finally, at the end of chapter 2, this whole thing comes to a big boil around the observance of the weekly day of worship and rest, which is known as the Sabbath, which in Hebrew actually means rest, and uh, was and still is to this very day observed by uh, the children of Israel uh, to honor God who after the six days of creation rested on the seventh day and also in obedience uh, to the third commandment, which is remember the Sabbath day, to keep it holy or set apart from all the other days. And so the Sabbath day is the seventh day of the week, otherwise known to us as Saturday, although uh, religiously speaking, the Sabbath actually starts at sundown on Friday and continues until sundown on Saturday. Uh, Those of you who have practicing Jewish friends uh, obviously know this. Uh, Also, it is true that if you know Spanish, that the uh, word for Saturday in Spanish is what? Sabado? Uh, from Shabbat or Sabbath. And of course you also know that uh, we Christians also keep the Sabbath. We have a Sabbath day of worship and of uh, rest in obedience to the third commandment. But uh, uh, like most Christians, though not all Christians, we have moved our Sabbath day from the seventh day of the week or Saturday over to the first day of the week, otherwise known as Sunday, because Sunday is the day of resurrection of our Lord. Also because by the end of the first century, most Christians in this world were Gentile Christians rather than Jewish in their background. Uh, Christians, and Gentiles just didn't have the Sabbath as part of their spiritual background or their story, and also because uh, in the year 321, the Roman Emperor Constantine decreed that Sunday would be an official day of rest for all people, which included the closing of courts and workshops and other businesses. Prior to that, Christians went to uh, worship very early on Sunday morning, and then they left, and they, they went on to work. The problem in Mark chapter two is that over the course of time, these Pharisees, these religious experts, these teachers of the law began to add uh, dozens and then hundreds of additional rules and regulations and boundaries concerning what was or wasn't permissible on the Sabbath or what did or did not constitute work on the appointed day of rest. After the time of Jesus, you know, this whole uh, system of hundreds of restrictions and regulations became codified into a manual known as the Talmud, which actually has, believe it or not, 24 chapters of Sabbath regulations, covering 39 categories of behavior, ranging from a work, movement, how far you could walk, cooking, writing, dozens of other topics. In fact, uh, if you go to Israel or even some places in America uh, today, or you just visit Sinai Hospital, uh, just up the road in Baltimore, you will find something there known as a Sabbath elevator. And a Sabbath elevator is an elevator that automatically stops at every single floor from Friday afternoon until Saturday night for the sake of those who believe that pushing an elevator button constitutes work and therefore a violation of the Sabbath, which just tells you how serious some people are about their faith. The issue, however, is that even before elevators, already at the time of Jesus, the Sabbath had gone from being this beautiful day of worship and rest in the glory of God to being the most oppressive, difficult day of the entire week, which was everything but restful. And that's where we come to today's passage at the end of Mark chapter 2, where Jesus and his disciples are walking through a grain field on the Sabbath day. And as they do, his disciples pluck some kernels of wheat from their stock and they enjoy them as kind of a snack on their road as they journey on. But as they do, the Pharisees, these teachers of the law and religious experts who are never far away ask, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? Because they considered that to be work. And that question just tells you how out of control these guys are. Because in Deuteronomy chapter 23, there is a verse that explicitly allows for that very practice to happen on the Sabbath, as long as you don't take a stock and cut it off and take it with you. In other words, this was a stated action of welcome and hospitality to neighbors who traveled on the road and through the fields. And yet, the Pharisees add even more rules, regulations, and restrictions as to how many kernels of wheat you could actually have in your hand before it's considered to be a harvest. Or in other words, work, or a violation of the Sabbath. Well, Jesus responds to all of this, as you heard later on in the passage, with anger. And it's interesting that uh, we imagine Jesus was angry at uh, places like the cleansing of the temple, but this is the only place in the New Testament that explicitly tells us that Jesus was angry. And he looks around them with anger, and he, Jesus Christ, stares them down. Because he is in full assault to shine his light on the corruption of the Sabbath that God himself ordained to shape the relationship that his people had with him and with each other. He is uh, coming at them and he is asking them a question that probably really tweaked them when he looks at these Pharisees and he says to them, you guys ever read the Bible? After which, he talks about an episode in the life of King David from 1 Samuel chapter 21 when David is on the run from his enemies. And he goes to the house of God, it says, and what that means is he went to the tabernacle, uh, which was this uh, portable and temporary place of worship before the temple in Jerusalem uh, was actually built. And the tabernacle was an area about 50 feet wide, 150 feet long, about the size of this room going from side to side. It included the Ark of the Covenant, which uh, housed the Ten Commandments, including the one about the Sabbath day. And there David goes for refuge, and he asks the priest at the tabernacle to give him some food. Well, the priest doesn't have anything to give him. The only thing there is what is known as the bread of the presence. And that consisted of 12 loaves of bread that were baked every week by the priests to represent the 12 tribes of Israel and they were placed on a golden table to remind them of God's presence and his provision in their lives as they camped all around that tabernacle, wherever it moved, wherever it went on their way uh, to the promised land. But when that week was over, the bread of the presence would be consumed by the priests. No one else, no one but the priest was allowed to eat the consecrated bread. Nevertheless, this priest named Abiathar on that day breaks the law, violates the tradition, and he feeds David with the bread of the presence. Why? Is he a bad priest? No, because there is something greater at stake than a tradition, a ritual, or a law, and that was the life of a man who was physically and also spiritually hungry for God. And that is the illustration that Jesus uses now back in chapter 2 to say to these Pharisees, these teachers of the law, that the Sabbath was made for us, for our worship and our rest in the glory of God. We were not made for the sake of the Sabbath. After which, he then goes on to say something that really gets our blood boiling, and that is that the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. Which is to say, Jesus gets to do anything he wants to do. And he gets to do it anytime he wants to do it, including dismantling their religious legalism. After which, he really rubs their noses in this when, again on the Sabbath, at a synagogue, he heals a man with a withered which sends the Pharisees right over the edge and into a conspiracy with a political party known as Herodians to destroy Jesus. So get this. Apparently, it's not okay to heal somebody on the Sabbath, but it is okay to plot murder. Go figure. Well, what's all this mean? And how, if at all, does it really apply to your life as a Christian in 2018. Well, let me just give you some thoughts, beginning with a simple reminder that while you and I are not saved by you know, some kind of perfect obedience to the Ten Commandments, as if that's even possible, that doesn't mean that they're just ten suggestions. They're still Ten Commandments intended to guide my love for God, and our love for each other as well. Which is to say that when you remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy, you are telling God that you love Him. And just like anybody else you love, you want to be with Him. And you want to go to His house when He invites you and calls you. You want to listen to what he has to say when you get there. And and you want to be at the table to eat his food and to receive his blessings. And, And you even want to give a gift back to him for everything that he's done for you. And you want to be with your sisters and brothers, these spiritual siblings, in a place and on a day where you get to celebrate the head of that family. Now, like some of you here, you know, I grew up in a world that really encouraged the Sabbath Uh, more than it does today. I mean, you know, it was, in my world, a very holy, a very special day, literally from beginning to end. Beginning with, you know, Sunday school and morning worship and then you know uh, a quiet lunch with the family followed by an afternoon together you know uh passing back and forth sections of the sunday paper maybe watch a movie or a game or go out and play some catch in the yard or take a ride get some ice cream and and then finally it would lead us to sunday dinner at my grandparents house and a little wonderful world of disney to top off the day You know, we never went to the store on Sunday. Stores weren't open. Every parking lot of every shopping center was completely empty. I can close my eyes and see it right now. You know, we didn't go off to a a game or a school activity. They didn't happen. Never went to a friend's birthday party because they didn't take place on Sunday. I never saw my dad mow the lawn on Sunday. We never threw a load of laundry in on Sunday. We're just chilling. And for the most part, I didn't see my friends on Sunday either, because generally speaking, they were pretty much doing the, the same thing. It was a holy and a special day. And so when I think about that, you know, after all these years uh, about things that are uh, now only existing in my memory, I honestly cannot stand here today and say to you, boy, you know, there was nothing like Tuesday when I was growing up. But Sunday was another story. And it had a bigger spiritual impact on me than I ever even realized at the time. And I say that to you because unlike some of you, others of you, including our own children, did not grow up in the world that I just described to you. And so I would encourage you to create that world as best you can by finding your Sabbath time. By finding a time, not just for a vacation or a day off, but to rest in the glory of God. To worship Him. To fellowship with Him and, and with the people around you in obedience to the third commandment, and also as a witness to this world that really does take notice when that parking lot out there is filled. And also for the sake of your own spiritual health, because what I do on Sunday has an impact on who I am on Monday, which is not some kind of holier-than-thou super-Christian, but a forgiven sinner, saved by grace, and called to spread it around. On the other hand, I would also encourage you today just as strongly to make sure that you enjoy the freedom that Jesus won for you because I guarantee you there is a massive difference between spending your life as a response to God's grace and adhering to a system of religious legalism. And here at St. Andrew, you know, that freedom uh, expresses itself in the fact that, you know, you can worship here on Sunday morning at 8 o'clock, at 9.30, at 11 o'clock, at 12.30, or you could worship on Monday evening if that is a better Sabbath time for you. You can praise God to Uh, ancient liturgy and classical music. You can worship God to contemporary praise. You can get dressed up for Sunday morning or you can get dressed down. Just get dressed. (laughs) And get here. Several of you over the years have reminded me that because I am a pastor, I only work on Sunday. I get to rest the other six days of the week. It's just the opposite. Other people obviously have to work on the Christian Sabbath or Sunday. The point is that Jesus wants your worship to be about love and not about the law. He wants it to be about a relationship and not a regulation. Does that mean that you don't have to worry about the Ten Commandments? No, you still need the Ten Commandments to guide you in loving God by loving each other. But as Martin Luther once wrote, faith without love is no faith at all, because what's really at stake here is not a rule or a regulation, but it is the hope of a broken world that is hungry for God. In reading the uh, history of the congregation into which I was baptized as a baby and in which I grew up, I learned that in the early 1900s, members of my home congregation were required to pay annual dues for membership in the church instead of giving free will offerings in order to assure an adequate level of income for the ministry and this was something that was practiced in in a number of different places. Believe it or not, it's practiced in some places even to this day. But when they finally made the decision to abolish dues for the sake of free will offerings, there was great anxiety that the income for the ministry would fall. Instead, it went way up. Why? Because that flock was released from Allah. And it was given the freedom to love. And that's a whole new motivation. I also read about a church uh, that uh, sponsored a conference on fasting in which meals were included. <laughs> now that's freedom, baby. Freedom in the gospel. And so, you know, you want to take an elevator ride or if working out in the yard can be part of your Sabbath rest, I would tell you, go for it. Do it. Just remember the Sabbath and keep it holy because you love God. Because He loves you. And He gives you this commandment for the sake of your joy and your life in Christ. Who did the work of obedience and the work of salvation so that you could find your rest in Him and come here and eat the bread of His presence because He's the one who does forgive your sin. And He does eat with sinners. And He does set us free to worship Him, and to serve Him, and to obey Him. Not out of fear, but in response to the greatest love that you will ever know. I hope and pray that that will be your motivation always as you walk on the roadways of this life and that that grace would be the rest of your story on this Sabbath day and for the rest of your life in Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.